the Taoist approach would be, well, this is one of many lifetimes. We've lived in many earth suits. This is a continuation of a journey. This is the soul incarnate on a journey to fulfill, as the Taoists would say, a curriculum that at some point we may get to complete. And along that journey, we have relationships, we meet experiences in life, and we have challenges. Therefore, it's not life at all costs because the life is a continuum anyway. And this one life is just a fraction of what the soul self will have experienced. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the field of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Ravenhill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. If you are looking to begin your studies in holistic medicine, September 2020 might be the best time ever. For the fall semester, most of Pacific Rim College's courses and programs are being taught live online by our distinguished faculty. Check out the Faculties and Programs page at PacificRimCollege.com for more. Sarah Pritchard is one of the most well-known and respected teachers of Twina in the West. She has written two books on the subject, created multiple collegiate Twina programs, and is the creator and principal teacher of arguably the world's foremost online Twina course for practitioners, known as Advanced Twina, offered exclusively through Pacific Rim College Online. Yet Sarah is so much more than what these accolades might suggest, and fortunately makes for rich, enjoyable conversation. We cover many topics in this episode, including the impact that acting has had on her career, life-guiding philosophies of Taoism, the art of Qigong, and the complementary health center that she founded two decades ago. We also have a fascinating discussion on how Sarah uses voice and energy vibration to help clients heal. After years of giving back through helping others in her clinic and through her teaching, Sarah is now most excited through her online courses to empower others to use Twina to activate their own inner healers and to help children. She is currently planning self-help programs and courses to be released through PRC Online. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast for a special promo code to watch for free her Qigong course on time-tested techniques to fortify and calm the body. Very practical teaching for the world at this time. Sarah has been a lecturer at Pacific Rim College for many years and is the senior lecturer and Twina course coordinator at the City College of Acupuncture in London. She is a gifted practitioner and teacher, and hopefully in this episode pushes on many points of inspiration for you. Please enjoy this very stimulating conversation with Sarah Pritchard. Well, thank you for joining me this morning, or I guess it's evening in your time. It's I know we... Five o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really wanted to do this in person, and we we thought we were going to have that opportunity, but I guess we'll have to wait for another time. I know. Same here. It will come again. <laughs> it will. When when do you think? Are you planning to come back to Canada anytime soon? Well, I mean, obviously, I'd love to come back, and yeah. uh, I think it's just a question of seeing what happens with the world a little bit. It's just a matter yeah. of time, I think. 
it's a bit maybe hard 21 to... maybe 22 whatever evolves but i mean the sooner yeah. the better really yeah well let's talk a bit about your areas of expertise and i thought perhaps we could begin with a definition of what tweena is because i'm sure some of our listeners might not be very familiar with it yeah so tweena i mean literally means push grasp after two of the basic techniques um but it's a relatively modern way of expressing what this wonderful body work and energy work actually is originally it was known as an mo or an wu and those who practice shiatsu will be more familiar with that term an an mo or an wu it wasn't till the ming dynasty that uh, the name tweenar actually came about and that was because um body work that kind of body work in china became somewhat associated with prostitution and they thought right okay we must remove this from the, the sphere of animo and bring it into something else. So instead of calling it after press rub, they just renamed it after two other techniques, push grasp. <laughs> <laughs> no. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, but relatively modern terminology really, you know, in considering the great history of, uh, of this body work. Right. So it's a form of, massage based in is it based in traditional chinese theories and medicine yes and really we're looking right the way back to the time of what we might call the anmo shamans because we know from all of the great history of traditional chinese medicine that the work began with the hands so our needles are relatively new compared to the approach of being able to touch the body with the hands to touch into the the points and the channels and to work with those whether very subtly in more of a yin style or whether to work in a more physical and dynamic way so we could say tweenar really has a very broad spectrum it's very subtle. It can be very subtle uh, or it can be very uh, physical. Most people in the West have become more familiar with the, let's call it the physiotherapy or the Chinese osteopathic approach to bodywork. So it has more of a Yang Northern China style and it's vigorous. So all the techniques are applied briskly, vigorously, uh, and it becomes a, quite a strong form of massage and bodywork, which fits in very well with the climate of the north of China, which is cold, you know, brutal coldness. Um, whereas the yin approach is soft and subtle. And from the perspective of an observer watching what may be applied by the the shaman, the healer, the practitioner now, it may look like very little's going on because at that stage, what's happening is the giver is entering a place of yin on the outside. So 
very present, very connected, and an image that I like to use with students is they become like water. And so the approach is to connect in a very soft, subtle way to become as present as possible as the giver. And the work that's done is more like Qigong, but with someone else. So I use analogies when I'm working with students like water, become like water, connect to the Tao. You're becoming more of a conduit rather than I am doing this to you, which a yang approach can be more, okay, here's the channel sinew, I'm now rotating this, I'm now pushing here, I'm now pulling here. Um, so the yin approach has become a bit lost, I think. And it's nice to see that regaining its popularity for students to be interested in that and to be wanting to integrate that into their already existing practices. I think particularly for the acupuncturists who maybe they've done a bit of Tweenar within college. I know there in Canada that the Tweenar is part of the education program with acupuncture, whereas in the UK, that's not the case. So students would have completed a full acupuncture course before deciding, do they want to do Tweenar as an adjunct? And my feeling about it really is that the Tweenar should come first and the needling becomes very easy once you've learnt how to do the fundamental Tweenar or Anmo techniques because all of those needling techniques come from the hands. They're extensions of those techniques. Right. And speaking of the Tweenar coming first, what did come first in development? Was it Tweenar Anmo or was it acupuncture? Anmo. Okay. Anmo came first and it would have been literally from those two techniques. So pressure and and mo to rub. So very much from the intuition, from the instinct of those who were the first practitioners. And only through history did we begin to look at, well, okay, how else can I stimulate these points? Well, okay, I'm maybe going to use an external tool like a stone. Um, we started to use moxa. So the hands and moxibustion came first, the needles and other forms of stimulation, maybe gua sha or uh, yeah, stone pressure or something like this. Uh, even the application of crystal, um, I believe was used different types of stone and different types of needles than those that we're familiar with now, the filiform needles. So the hands came first and all of the techniques um, come from those hand techniques. So for example, if you're looking at a technique like Rofar, which is kneading, circular kneading on a point, then you look at the acupuncture stimulation of twirling, you might call it twirling or twisting techniques, or they may be wind techniques to expel pathogenic wind. That comes from Rofar. Nava is like 
lifting and grasping technique. So the needle is really an extension of the hand. Right. Well, that makes sense. And you, you just mentioned several other modalities, terminology, moxibustion, gua sha, qigong. We'll get into those as we go because all of those are, are very interesting. Before we get there, I, I read that your training as an actor led mm-hmm. you into the discovery of Tui Na and some of these other modalities. Is that the case? And if so, how? Yes. Uh, interesting people's backgrounds and how you end up in this field of work, really. So, yes, I began training as an actor. I went to RADA for three years and quite young, at 18, and came from a very small mill town in the north of the UK called Macclesfield and uh, ended up in the scary city of London to do drama school training. And during that training, so a lot of the training is based about around how do you use your body? We were very lucky. We had a lot of Alexander technique, both group work Alexander technique and individual Alexander technique. And can you give a definition of that or a description? Alexander technique, yeah. So um, this is a very, again, very subtle, very yin approach to opening the body with very subtle suggestions. So the, the teachers who were particularly inspiring were those who, they would hardly touch you. It was a very subtle touch and would give direction through words. So even now I can remember one of the Alexander teachers, you'd be sitting, lying on the bench, gently putting the hands underneath the back of the skull and saying, neck release, head forward and away. And then hands coming underneath the shoulders as you're lying on the hands, gently moving those hands back and saying, back release, back widen. So it's really a combination of getting your mind to go, ah, yeah, I'm directing what's happening with my body or my chi, we would say. And very subtle hand movements by the practitioner. So the idea being that when you were performing or Yehudi Menuhin, the famous violin player, he was a big um, fan of Alexander technique for musicians. So playing the fiddle where you're in an odd position all the time. Um, he wanted to see how little effort could be put into playing this instrument if I'm using my body and my mind as best I can, even if I'm having to be in an awkward position for a long period of time. So we were very fortunate enough to have that experience. Plus we had a lot of um, interesting teachers around movement when we were at drama school who taught Grotowski based movement work. So he was a proponent of physical theater and we would spend a lot of time using the body to explore both the the self and how you may then get into a character, for example. We did Tai Chi 
And for me, what I've found as the years have gone on is that the role of the healer and the role of the actor, or sometimes I'll call it the sacred actor, is kind of not that dissimilar. Or as one of my patients who's a theatre director in the UK says to me now, you know, what you do as a practitioner and the way you work isn't very different from the way I work as a director. You're directing gently the chi as a theatre director would, a good one would look at a group of actors and say, well, how can I get out of each one of these actors what I would like for this performance and to bring out the truth of their feeling if they're embodying something to then bring that together into this one piece. I think that's quite interesting. The performing arts, the healing arts are very connected for me. And that's something I've discovered more and more as I've got older, really. Yeah. More. That comes as a big surprise to me. I, I'd never, I never really thought about the performing arts because I'm not involved in them. But I'm surprised to hear that all of these different techniques were integrated into your training. I think that's really fascinating. Is that yeah. still the still the case today? As far as I know, I mean, this was some years ago now, Todd. But um, I would be surprised if there wasn't a very strong aspect of Alexander technique, Tai Chi, yoga, Qigong, various movement work, obviously voice work. And it's interesting now, of course, that we're starting to look at sound therapy, the use of the voice. I use my voice a lot now with patients and also to teach them how to use their own voice. If we consider that the voice is the first gong and everyone's got one, um, and how to direct the voice into the body. So the six sounds qigong would be um, a good example of that being a very ancient way into focusing on the body with the breath, with visualization of color, for example, and then using the voice and sound to create the optimum vibration for that organ or bone etc so that's a very interesting way of working yeah the the role of the healer for me and the role of the 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 sacred actor some people call the sacred actor the sacred clown these are they're very important roles i think as well the other thing for me with the actor is the ability to take on board anyone else's feeling. So in other words, empathy. So every good actor has an extraordinary capacity for empathy because they may be asked to play something and therefore to find within themselves something which is not of themselves or they have no experience of in this lifetime at the age that they are, for example. And yet they're able to get themselves into a place where they can engage with and empathize with perhaps playing a real villain and they're the nicest person you could meet so where do right. they find that from yeah? yeah and to be then non-judgmental because all of us working this healer 
archetype, whether with Chinese medicine modality or another, any modality really, where part of our role is to create that connection with the individual who's coming to us for help and assistance so that we can, as I would say, spark their Shen to encourage that healing to open up within them because the healing as we know in our field comes from the individual it isn't us it isn't me it isn't the practitioner of whatever modality doing it to you it's an inspiration it's a it's a nudge in the right direction but the healing's coming from the person oh there's so much here this is good i'm liking this before we uh, i, I want to talk a little bit more about the Alexander technique because you mentioned that the practitioner gives vocal cues while doing these subtle techniques. Are right. those vocal cues the practitioner setting an intention or are they more for the patient? I think it's both. I think it's the practitioner who's got a very clear system of what their intention is. They know the areas of the body that are going to jam up that are likely to hold great stress emotional stress physical stress and the system works with that and allows yeah both the practitioner and the receiver to enter into that intention together and I think that's that's something I'm interested in more more and more as well is that relationship and equality so it's not again it's not me doing something to you it's two energies two energy fields two humans coming together in a space and the connection that occurs in the therapy room is absolutely key. I have come to the conclusion as well that a lot of work can be done before you even get to the treatment couch, just in that connection. What is yeah. shared through openness in those moments before we've touched the body, before a needle's been inserted, whatever it is that we're going to use, whatever we sense by then is the, going to be the most effective way of opening what's closed, unbinding what's bound, extending what's contracted, nourishing what's depleted, and so on. I always find it interesting when patients seek out practitioners such as yourself or other integrated practitioners, as you just said, that connection before the therapy even begins is, is of utmost importance. And I often tell people who are seeking out practitioners that use your intuition. And if you walk into the room and you don't feel a connection, if you don't feel safe, it's probably not going to be the best healing environment for you. Yeah, and, and yet when people seek out allopathic or Western medical practitioners, when they go to a physician, they 
they don't seem to have that same level of discretion. And right. it's, it's almost like we have blinders on we just walk in and we're like, okay, you're the person who's here to do whatever to me. And I'm just going to listen to whatever you have to say and do it. Yeah. It's a very, very different approaches. Totally. And course, yeah. And I, I agree with you completely. And that, that connection that is built, the bridge that is built between the practitioner and the patient. It's so crucial. Yeah, absolutely essential. And again, as you said, they're just touching on that, this idea of equality rather than I am the power that heals you <laughs> or gives you this. Yeah. yeah. I'm really hoping we're coming towards that. I mean, we, we are, it's only a matter of time before people re-engage with that which is within them, which is the ability to heal themselves. And that all of us in the role of healer, whatever modality, are helpers along that path and can do a lot within that. But putting the power back into the hands of the people is now where I'm particularly interested in, in going. And it's interesting, I had some ideas while we've been through this strange period of shifting in the world. And that is to create some courses that people, anyone, can use rather than just the practitioner. So I've been quite orientated around helping to educate or inspire the practitioners to do some of the work that I've been growing over the time that I've been a practitioner. And now I sense there's a real need to put that back into the hands of the people. So We've had some ideas and I've been talking a little bit to Gillian about this and the possibilities of this. And one of the things would be to create a course that allows people to look at, for example, the five elements and to use Qigong and self-tweener to help to treat a variety of common ailments that they might have and be able to do something straight away themselves at home without any special equipment just themselves to use the voice as well so voice six sounds work other voice work and bringing the intention into areas of the body into points opening points from within using the breath using color using intention and uh, simple techniques that people can learn quite easily, really. So that's one area. And the other that's been very much on my mind, which is something that has come around and around and around for many years, and people have asked me to do, Sarah, Sarah, when are you going to do the pediatric Tuinar course? And I've kind of been putting it off <laughs> for many years. And it's come to a point now where, I think, okay, I'm, I'm ready to start really putting this down. 
And yes, having a course which would be useful for practitioners, for them to learn how to, to do that and to show people. But more interestingly, I think, now is to put that into the hands of the parents. So, yeah. right, this is where I feel it's very strong. My hairs are going on end, so something's, yeah, again, <laughs> I always know when there's something going on like that. Yeah. Yes, as you're getting that confirmation that this is the way to go. Giving that back to the parents are going, look, these techniques are very, very simple to do. Yeah, there's nothing complex. Again, you just need you and your child, your baby. And you can treat all sorts of things with this really simple, non-invasive work. So once you know the basic techniques to use and we lay things out in little clear, simple structures and pictures around the common things that parents will be dealing with, with their young babies and uh, you know infants. I think that would be a very empowering thing. Um, and one that I think everyone could really do with right now. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Just last night, my daughter had a, a inner earache and actually an inner and outer earache and she couldn't sleep. So I ended up spending the night with her and snuggling with her. And I found that every time I did acupressure on certain points, she would after a few minutes drift off into sleep and then I could take my hand away. But if I didn't do that, she ended up just being restless and, and kicking around and, and not being able to get to sleep. So I would go back and I would open up the, the triple heater channel or maybe I was doing Hugo large intestine four just for the pain. And, and it, every time it worked, I was like, wow, this is, this is yeah. cool. This is, yeah. this is helpful. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. That's and that I think for parents, rather than go, oh my God, you know, what am I going to do? Oh, and we're taking, we have the Calpol over here. I don't know if you have the same thing there, but straight away onto some kind of medication. It's yeah. Like, oh, let's just, kids change easily. They, their energy shifts so quickly and easily that having these gentler, uh, less invasive approaches and seeing them work like that really simply, it's like, whoa, I can do something. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm very interested in getting this down at some point over the well, next year and maybe um, had an idea with Gillian that we may film it here and she can edit it and direct it from a distance. And she said, oh, yeah, we can do that. I've done that before. <laughs> nice. And hearing you speak earlier about empowering the patients and the patients actually being the ones who are doing the healing and the healers we're not we're not healing them that reminds me of what peter conway said in an earlier episode that the practitioner is the medium between yes. the medicine and the patient yes. and really we're not as you said we're not doing the healing for them we're just putting things in to the the right places so there's the potential for the patient to heal right. internally yes and it is a very different approach than some other forms of medicine where it is very much like uh, this is what you must do and I'm, I'm telling you this is the only way to do it and take this magic pill otherwise you're going to suffer uh, it's mm. it, 
healing comes in so many different shapes and sizes and forms. And uh, when it's when it's true healing, it's coming from within. It's not coming from from what outside. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I hope that that's the way that people will begin to understand things. And, and in that, they will be more empowered and then can use the modalities that work well from them, for them to nudge things along or to re-inspire. They've got a particular connection with a practitioner and they know that as soon as they enter that therapy room and start the conversation, oh, the potential for that healing already arises. And the rest is an anchoring of that through touch, through the needles, through sound, through whatever it is. Um, I'm particularly interested in that. I think it's... I've had sessions with patients where I've actually given them very little hands-on treatment. Most of it has just been them sitting opposite me, expressing there's a connection between us. I enter as best I can a place of presence and openness and non-judgment and empathy. And they can express and be who they are in that moment. And then my hope is to kindle that flame again, that allows them to move on, to journey, even if that moving on is a moving on to death because we have a very poor relationship with death and dying in the Western world on the whole. And therefore each one of us as a human being, whether the receiver of treatment or whether the practitioner can feel like there's a failure or sense of failure if someone is moving towards death and dying, when in fact, that may be the completion of their journey. And I suppose that's a big difference between allopathic Western approach and that of energetic medicine and certainly Chinese medicine, classical Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine comes into that category. The philosophy of the two medicines is so different and therefore no wonder they developed along such very different lines if we believe that there is only one life and therefore life at all costs is all that matters it's understandable why allopathic medicine would evolve as it did. Yeah, with, with the greatest amount of healthcare spending spent on those final few years of life, and what often does that life look like? It's, right. there's no, often there's no quality to it. We're right. just extending it. We're putting weeks or months or years to it, but with, with no sense of what quality of being is. Indeed, and sometimes to the level of cruelty in some cases, I think. Yes. Um, whereas the Taoist approach would be, well, this is one of many lifetimes. We've lived in many earth suits, and this is a continuation of a journey. This is the soul incarnate 
on a journey to fulfill, as the Taoists would say, a curriculum um, that at some point we may get to complete. And along that journey, we have relationships, we meet experiences in life, and we have challenges, joy, pain, and all of these. And therefore it's not life at all costs because the life is a continuum anyway. And this one life is just a fraction of what the soul self will have experienced. So healing is very, very different. Healing is to create the potential for freedom of movement, freedom of emotional movement, freedom of physical movement, spiritual freedom, which brings creativity and joy in a person's life. And that would be then considered health, as opposed to our model maybe of allopathic medicine where life at all costs matters and that there is no definition of healing other than an absence of symptoms. I love that. Well done. <laughs> that, was, that was beautiful. And it's, it really resonates with me on all levels. And I, I often think that very few people probably even realize or remember what true vitality feels like. Yeah. Because we live in this place of, as you just said, of health is the absence of symptoms, yeah. which that's that's not the health that I want to live in. And there's the symptoms. The symptoms are just messages that, hey, something's a little out of balance. Let's see what we can do to get it back in balance so that you can get back to equilibrium and experience again vitality. And yet we've gone so far off track with that that I don't think vitality is even a remote possibility for potentially the majority of people. I agree. And I don't know how we ended up here, but I'm really glad there's people like you who are helping people to get back to their, their own state of inner equilibrium and vitality. And on that note, I want to hear more about, you've, you've mentioned all these therapies. I want to learn more about how you combine them together and what it is like to come and see you. And you're the founder and director of the Blackheath Complementary Health Center, which, by the way, you have, um, it looks like a, a very impressive center. You have so many practitioners on board. And so I, congratulations on, on your work with that. What is it like for someone to come and see you to receive your healing uh, catalyst, so to speak. Nice way of putting it. So now it really varies and my work's changed a lot over the years. I've been working as a practitioner for 25 years now, Todd. Someone asked me that I sort of looked into the, into the far distance and quickly tried to calculate how many years that I've been working as a practitioner and realized it was, it was 25. I've been teaching for 20 and practicing for 25. And the work has changed and evolves and still evolves. It's constantly evolving. And so people that I work with may experience very different things from me. So I may have 
someone who comes and I will spend quite a lot of time just being with them in the therapy room and waiting for the feeling space to shift or change before I decide whether it's going to be hands, hands subtly, hands subtly and dynamically or hands dynamically, needles with hands, tuning forks, which I also use, gongs, which I also use, and I sing as well, I use my voice. So sometimes a patient, I even don't like that word anymore, Todd, patient. So I want to keep saying receiver, yeah? yeah. It, again, for me, it has this inequality thing about it. So I guess the patient's yeah. actually the healer. Yeah, well, so, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. The healer. <laughs> yeah, the healer. Uh, and of course, there's a mutual exchange there as well, because we're always learning from and receiving a huge amount of information back ourselves um, as that archetype, if you like, of the role of the healer. Well, what are, why are we doing this? Why are we even in this role, right? As our part of our soul journey. So back to the question, I may have decided to work with my hands very subtly at first, perhaps with the receiver on their tummy, just to calm everything down, just to kind of give us a, Oh, a state of relaxation, a state of neutral, where receiving anything else is going to be easier. And from there, I may decide then, okay, I'm going to use some needles and I'm actually going to use my gong and, and voice. So I'm going to sing and, and with the gong because I want to enable them to go into an altered state quite quickly. And I've found that using sacred instruments like the gong or I've got a Chiron gong at the center in Blackheath, Chiron being the wounded healer, of course. So the Chiron gong, and I will use my voice either with vowels or sometimes you might say prayers in a, another language, um, the Aramaic language um, is very powerful. Um, or the vowel of an area of the body or the six sounds. While the needles are in and retained and cooking quite gently. That I found in latter years has been a very powerful place to be. And from there, I may go and use high frequency tuning forks over the needles. I may then come into a little bit of direct moxibustion to tonify and gather the chi together in a particular point to bring that person around and into form again because now they have to go back into their day-to-day -day reality outside of the I want to say sacred space really of the treatment room and out into their the world which if you're working in London is a pretty intense environment 
so that could easily be one treatment that I might give to an individual. Someone else might come and I'm working initially with cups. There's a lot to move. I just want to get things really moving. I'm using cups on the back, static cups, moving, cupping. And then I'm moving into more of a moderate to slightly yang style of tuina just to get a nice flow to move any stagnation of chi and blood through the body because they're in a state of more fullness let's say or excess and then from there i might be working with perhaps it's an injury or something like that and moxa may be coming into the picture bleeding of the jingwell points might be coming into the picture and then back to tweena so I will go between a needle and the hand within a treatment. And that's a way that a lot of practitioners who talk to me say, I really like this way. It feels kind of instinctive. It feels intuitive, but I haven't had the confidence or I have, Oh, you know, I know I sort of want to work with my hands. My instinct is to go there while that needle's in, but Ooh, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And part of my job as the, as the teacher, again, the role of the teacher is just to instill the confidence and to inspire enough, oh, yeah, oh, I can do it, in that practitioner to go, yeah, I'm sort of giving them the permission, going, yeah, your intuition's right. Your feeling sense is there. It's innate within you. And to begin to trust that again. So an empowering for the practitioner, just as where attempting to create a space to empower the receiver or patient. <laughs> so how do you prepare a patient receiver for this? You, you sing and chant to them, you burn things on them, you poke <laughs> and prod them, you prick to bleed them, you put <laughs> glass cups on them to suck their flesh. How do you prepare someone for that? Sounds like torture, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and yet it's not, but I'm just curious for, for the newbie who's never experienced any of this. <laughs> you must have had some pretty strange reactions over the years. Well, it's it's interesting, really. I think nowadays, yeah, less so. So I found that, let's say over the last five years, and the th last three and the last two, increasingly so, people are very, very open in a way that in 1995, when I started practicing, you had to explain everything, right? These are cups and this is how I'm going to put them on and this is going to do that. It's going to feel like this. And there was a lot and lot of explaining and same with the moxa, same with the needles, everything. People were new to it. These were relatively new experiences and a lot of people have now at least heard of acupuncture. They may be nervous of the needle. Um, sometimes what I'll do is I'll needle myself to show them. So if it's a needle situation and someone hasn't been needled before, I just needle myself in her goo and say, this is it. And they go, oh, is that it? I go, yes. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's like a hair, you know, oh, right. <laughs> and we start gently. I say, look, I'm going to start very gently. You know, the first time we just, let's just pop them in and see how we get on. Yeah. I said, I might use some frequency. So I'll introduce them to various things. And if I know there's something that I really 
feel might be beneficial on that day, let's say gua sha, then I'll say, look, I think this might be really beneficial for you. We can do it today or you can have a think about it, but this is going to give us great potential to move move things on to get the blood moving and to move past some of this trauma it's going to leave a mark yeah <laughs> if we do the job well it's going yeah. to leave a mark the mark will go <laughs> it's merely a flesh wound <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah <laughs> so with your i guess being a practitioner i understand a lot of how you would use your intuition for gua sha moxibustion and acupuncture sound therapy however is is pretty uh, out there for me in the sense that I've only played with tuning forks. How do you, when, especially when you're using your voice, mm. how do you, how do you know what to, how to use it? Is it all just intuition? Pretty much. And trusting that the voice, which is the first gong and we all have one has an extraordinary power. It is, the ability within us to create vibration and all chi we may say is vibration so all cells ultimately are vibration and we're attempting to create a state of optimum vibration and frequency of the chi of an organ a bone a sinew whatever and so being able to use the voice very simply, just with vowel sounds, for example, has a profound effect. You can sing towards a part of the body. So, for example, if there was a lot of stasis around the digestive system, around the diaphragm, huge amounts of stress, like people may be feeling now, then you can sound into the diaphragm just using R. I've started more of late to get people to work with me. So because we've been doing a lot of Zoom stuff in recent times, I've been able to explore working with the people who come to me in real time through meditation, through a simple Qigong-like visualization using their voices. So I just get them to copy me. Just do it with me in real time now, which is how I like to teach students. So I'm now applying my method of teaching students, which is taking people through an experiential journey so that they feel what it's like. What does it feel like to have the yin wei mai touched? what comes up for you, the receiver. So transporting that or transposing that to my relationship with those who come to me for help and going, right, well, let's just work in real time now. Let's get ourselves into a position of grounding, centering and connection, heaven, humanity, earth, and from there, starting to work with the breath, starting to work with visualization, opening points or areas of the body from within, using the mind and the focus of the mind, and then placing the sound where the mind is on a simple R. Ah. Maybe taking that through another vowel sound or a group of vowel sounds, 
or indeed using something like the six sounds qigong. Those sounds, so there's lots of different sounds. Essentially, they're based on vowels. The, the theory is the vowel has the power and the consonant, if you're using it, has, is like um, uh, a vehicle that pushes it forward. Have you ever surprised yourself with some sort of sound that has come out during a therapy? Yeah, sometimes what happens is the voice, so it can be starting off quite fine, quite clearly on an ah, and then sometimes you'll hit a place either because you visualize that place, you don't even have to be directing the voice physically at different areas of the body, but you're just now focusing on the ankle, for example. And I've had to do this recently myself with the help of my partner because I sprained my ankle quite badly on Sunday. So I've been using the sound along with acupuncture and moxa and tuning forks to heal the sprained ankle. So directing your mind, your thoughts, your breath into that area and then directing the sound just from where you are is incredibly powerful and the voice can start to go or croaky and crackly just out of the blue when you've hit a place that is out of whack, out of harmony stuck, stagnated, too much toxicity, that kind of thing. So the voice will suddenly get very weak for no apparent reason. It's just, so you're using the voice as a diagnostic tool as well as a, as a healing tool. And the sounds that it makes when they're not even and steady are connected to a little bit like dousing you've found a place that's now empty or that's now too full or out of harmony. That's fascinating. And again, yeah. people can do this themselves. And, and when, when you do it with them, and I must record something, I promised um, one of my um, patients, people who come from, for help, uh, that I would record this for her because we'd done it in real time. And she, she looked at me and she said, oh, it's really great when you're doing it with me. And I thought, well, why? I really need to record this and just let people have that. Then they can use my voice and just right. keep going through it rather than doing it in your own head, which can be a bit frustrating after a while. Yeah. And, and what about someone for like me who's a terrible singer? Am I going to mess up my internal by trying to, <laughs> trying to sing? Am I going to just throw things into total chaos? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's, so it's nothing about making any pretty sounds. It's not about being a, a singer in any way, shape or form. It's about expressing the sound that's within you. So if you were wanting to... So you'd sprain your ankle. And, say, oh, God, I, you and I have. So yes, give me some ankle healing. Okay, so let's say you sprain your ankle like I have. So you you would then bring your attention into the ankle bone, maybe between the malleolus, and you may start to send the breath into that area and imagine any of the major points around that area starting to open from the inside, like little portals or little doorways to create space where it's all got jammed up. So you want to create space and opening. And I'd say, okay, I simply want you to start on, an, on a hum. So on a mm, And you might 
keep that going for a short while. Any and any note doesn't matter. It's it relatively lowish notes are good. So low a low place in the voice is very good. And you just allow that to come out as it comes out. And then after a few minutes on the simple hum, you change that hum into an R. So you just go from breathing through the nose and then back to and you'll find your voice will alter as you start to focus on the injury. Myself and Isabel were working on my ankle the other day and both of the voice was going all over the place. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> it didn't sound very melodious at all, Todd. <laughs> but it was effective. And then okay. it would be quite smooth as I moved my attention perhaps around to the talus bone or into those cuneiform bones. So you can be very specific or yeah. just the whole ankle. Um, so no, it doesn't matter about that. It's, it, it will get to the point where it sounds very odd sometimes that's okay it's an expression the, the voice is kind of detoxing things for you as well right it reminds me of some of dr joe Dispenza's work and his absolutely own self-healing through visualization and visualizing absolutely. the healing process when he was in a situation where he was told he wasn't going to heal right it's exactly the same thing that ability to and I think this is going to be something that grows and grows more, which is that ability to use the mind to focus that clear intention, bring to that the feeling of something elevated, a feeling that, that is wonderful for you, a past memory where you felt brilliantly vital, full of joy and ease, to bring that to the body and then to use sound to amplify. And when you speak of it, and of course, Dr. Dispenza has great knowledge of anatomy and physiology. As practitioners, we better understand these parts of our body. But do we need to be able to visualize the talus or the malleoli or the cuneiforms in order to do the healing? Do we need to know of their existence? I'm not convinced that that's necessary. I think that depends on where you as an individual feel most comfortable. So for, for us as practitioners and for someone like Dr. Joe, he's from a chiropractic background. So it's very comfortable to enter into that space of, right, I can visualize every single bone, every single nerve, every single sinew. And for him, that would feel absolutely, particularly right. However, I don't know that okay. that's necessary for everyone. It may okay. be that someone else relates very strongly to color and if they can allow the intuition to start to breathe in and out the color that they associate with that area or to allow things to arise again i sense very strongly that the body has this ability to know what it's doing and with the with that clear intention placed in an area of the body with also the asking for help. That's another thing that I think we forget. It's, oh, it's just, just me, just me and just this individual here when actually there are a huge amount of subtle beings. There's a great planet Gaia 
that also supports and helps us. There's the great Tao, as we might call it. The Shem, the Akasha, there are so many words for the same thing, right? But there's a lot more than going on around us in the subtle realms. And we often forget to ask for help and we often forget to move into a place of gratitude that healing has already occurred. If we take the notion that there is only now one now moment and that everything happens in that one now moment and that we're either pulling in our past to that now moment or we're projecting forward from the now moment into a future time. But actually it is only that moment that really exists and has all the power as Eckhart Tolle would. He's one of the great talkers about the power of now, right? And we're beginning to get our heads and hearts around these feelings and ideas again. And the more we do, the more we'll realize all of these things come together, all of these abilities, and a lot of them are within. The voice, the mind, the placement of attention and intention, the placement of feeling, and the levering of a feeling from one state into another. And that's kind of what's happening in the treatment space as well between the person playing the role of the healer archetype and the person playing the role of that, I have come right. for help hmm. and guidance. Let's shift gears slightly into, because I want to, I want to make sure we spend and save enough time to talk about your contributions to the, the student community, the practitioner community beyond just your, your patients or recipients, because you've written two books on Twina, which are textbooks that are used in colleges. You've created Twina programs and curriculum for, for various colleges. And of course, for Pacific Rim College Online, you have three courses that are currently available. And it sounds like you and our operations director, Jillian, maybe have some other courses in the works, or at least are, are talking about mm -hmm. it, which is great. Can we talk a bit about the three I guess it's two courses and one program that you have through PRC online. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Well, let's start. start? You've already <laughs> talked about some of these things, but let's talk, talk about the course Twina and Moxa for menopause. And for those who may not be familiar, what is Moxa or Moxibustion? And how, how is Twina? What ah. are you teaching in this course of Twina and Moxa for menopause? So this has been a very interesting course to, to work with. And I'm very glad that we had the opportunity to, to film that a couple of years ago. And it very much focuses on the yin and yang way my, the vessels of time and space. And the work is on very much on the yin side, particularly when working in the yin way my some of the yang way my work a little bit more moving as you'd expect as it's a more of a yang vessel a little bit more moving into some of the areas of the body round points like gallbladder 30 and then up into the shoulder area and then coming back into the neck so what we're doing is taking the practitioner on a journey through the yin and the yang way my 
these vessels of time and space, which are so key to these big shifts and changes in life and menopause for women is one of these doorways. And that's why I've called it a fun, fundamental doorway of life. So a great opportunity for spiritual shift and growth and the great cleanse. And the course takes people through particularly the yin way my and how we use the hands and how we may apply some direct moxa to points along the way to give them a little zing of uh, chi to gather the chi or collect the chi to stimulate the point or the the spirit of the point it's i found it's a very interesting journey now i've recorded it and have given the course live several times, both in Canada and in the UK. And did I do that one in Holland? Can't quite remember, but each time we've done it, it's had quite a profound effect. It's like a real journey for the practitioner working with the vessel because they're experiencing it. And for me, that's the key with that work is, okay, practitioner, I need you to feel this vessel in yourself. And by that, I mean, what experience do you have when this vessel is touched by another? So that you have had an embodied experience of that and know the effects or possible effects that may occur if you're working on somebody else. So I always have time within the workshops for people to work either way, give yes, but receive. And we do a lot of feedback. And so by the end of a two day period, people will have felt through all of that and that's been quite a profound experience for a lot of people particularly on these eight extraordinary vessels and these vessels of time and space which the menopause is a huge uh part of or we touch into the menopause very strongly um when we work on those vessels and interestingly for the men that have taken part yeah in those workshops they also have a very interesting experience yeah we don't necessarily think of males as having menopause but nonetheless we all go through these seven and eight year shifts of sight and cycles and so there are some extraordinary changes that take part in our lives when we get through to these points and whenever we hit a seven or eight year cycle there's that potential to shift whatever may have come, maybe even come in with us through from another lifetime or was very early or maybe was in utero. So this course that we filmed has had quite a lot of interest from those who've either experienced the workshop live with me or vice versa. They may have taken the course online and then come to it live at a later date or they've been exploring the work with a colleague or a fellow student, or they've been immediately integrating that work into their practice. So that's a rather 
lovely way in a lovely journey but, but powerful as well with yeah. very subtle and how work. does moxibustion so the burning of this herb we call it aya or or mugwort yeah. or artemisia artemisia vulgaris so how does the burning of this herb either on the body or near the body impact health in general and and how are you using it in this particular course and in this teaching Mm, well, that's interesting. I've had some moxa actually my, myself today mm -hmm. on the ankle. <laughs> and in that case, we just used uh, the stick just to move the chi and blood. So as you know, as Gillian knows, I'm a big fan of moxa and really integrated a lot into practice. Both the little rice grain type of moxa which I use on the menopause course and also the, the, the menstrual course, the menstrual and fertility course that we use a lot of moxa there. Little direct cones, little rice grains for tonification, for stimulating the spirit or the character, the nature of the individual point, for quickly gathering and collecting the chi in the point. So to bring tonification rather than to heat or uh, to move in that way. That's more of a, a tonification method, which I use a lot. So we may go from three small little grains of rice of very nice quality Japanese moxa burned onto a point. So it just feels like a little ouch. Um, and then going into a needle or going into a technique with the hand and far or just holding the point subtly after that. That's very nice work. And I will teach the patient how to do that sometimes. Can you go away? If I teach you how to do this, stomach 36, who's suddenly, will you do this? Some are very brave. Yes, bring it on. <laughs> Others not so brave. Go, well, will you do it with a stick? If I show you how to do it indirectly with a moxa stick. Oh, okay, yes. Do it until it's pink. Okay. And it's a very useful um, thing to show people because we maybe don't have the dosage that we would like in terms of treatment in an ideal world, we may have seen that person five times that week, but actually we've only been able to see them once or they can only come once, they can only afford once, whatever. And so by giving them the moxa homework, self-massage homework, you're making up for that time, which is time when we might like to have seen them, but we couldn't. So also use really massive moxa cones. <laughs> There's a picture which Gillian took of moxa cones going from tiny, tiny to massive ones the size of my thumb when we filmed the moxa for Twina uh, and moxa for menstrual and fertility issues because the moxa there is used to disperse stasis and to, we look at things like guo points or fruit points, like asha points, places where the receiver feels a lot of tenderness or we feel as the practitioner a lot of fullness and congestion in an area uh, along a channel or along a sinew and that area needs to be slightly dispersed and then we we'll use a dispersing forms of moxa blowing cones that are relatively large-ish or maybe half the size of the top you know the size of the top of your thumb and then deliberately getting them to burn down very quickly by blowing or wafting. So it becomes very dispersing moxa, the opposite of our little rice grain moxa for tonification. 
So it's incredibly effective for both nourishing and dispersing, moving blood, moving chi, getting things to be nourished and warmed. It's just, it's really unbeatable because sometimes people say, oh, can't we just use the infrared lamp? And you say, well, of course you can use the infrared lamp to create some nice heat and warmth. It's very comforting, sends the receiver into a nice state of relaxation, but it isn't the same. It's different. It's like one herb is different from another. It won't have the same qualities, much like char, you know, some people are using the charcoal that has a little bit yeah. of moxa essence on there. Again, it's going to be warming, mm. but it's not the same. And this course, is it only for Chinese medicine practitioners or are there others who can benefit from taking it? It's particularly for practitioners from a Chinese medicine background because... I use terms that if you haven't okay. any knowledge of Chinese, okay. may be a bit confusing. And your other course is Qigong Five Element Protection Exercise. Now, it's a short one, isn't it? It is, yes. That And that's proved very, very popular what is this it? year. In fact, we decided... Oh, it's, it's, okay. it's really more of a visualization. It's a very ancient Qigong the five element protection exercise. And it was an exercise that would have been used or, or a qigong, an internal yin qigong that would have been used by the ancient shamans, the Anwu shamans, if they went into, interestingly enough, what we may think now of as an epidemic situation, a place where people were sick with acute hmm. pathogens. And they, they were looking at how would they protect themselves. And this was one of the qigong exercises that they would practice on a daily basis and i teach all my students the five element protection exercise in a nutshell what is qigong working with your own life force so gong to work and qi as we know well vital breath life force all that we are made up with so it's you working your own life force for someone who's very new to Qigong, what does it look like? It's very, you and I, we understand it's forms of, of breathing and movement. Can you, can you just walk us through it a little bit? Yeah, so obviously lots of different types. And again, some more yin and some more yang. Some have movement as part of it, external movement. Most forms have external movement as part of it. Some vigorous and strong like Shaolin, Qigong, which is a very yang form to strengthen the sinews, and some which is very yin, more like the five elements exercise, which really is you standing or indeed sitting and going through an inner process of placing your breath and your attention and visualization in a particular area. Hmm. So that's very yin. Yeah. And Qigong, it's a, it's a form of martial art, correct? It can be if it's okay. more yang. The it's yang, also qigong. more meditation. Mm-hmm. So you know the six sounds qigong, as an example, originally only had the sounds. There was no movements. The movements were added in the Ming Dynasty. So okay. it just started with visualization and sound. So qigong is also a spiritual practice. It, you could say it's, it can be very external. You're working your chi deliberately very externally as, as you might say, a form of martial art, or it's 
a spiritual practice or it's an energetic medicine because you're using a form that is particularly about healing as opposed to fighting. Okay. And I apologize earlier, I cut you off. You were saying the course has been so popular that... Well, interestingly, because of the situation this year, I said to Julia Nook, I think this exercise is going to be really useful for some of my people and you might find the same thing over there. Let's make it free for a bit. And so I think it may still be free to download because it's for anyone. You don't have to be a practitioner. This is an exercise for anyone and everyone to do. And a lot of my people who come to me have downloaded it and have found it extremely helpful to keep them in a state of grounding, to keep them feeling space around them, like they're within their own space, to allow them to feel aligned to both Gaia and the Tao, to the realm of the stars and to themselves, and to feel a sense of protection and well-being through a very simple exercise, and they've got me talking them through it. I'm essentially in your garden <laughs> on the video yeah. and so it looks very beautiful, but really I'm just standing <laughs> there yeah, talking. There's no physical movement. Okay. It's me talking them through it. And it's, it was well-timed that we, that we filmed that when we did actually. Yeah. And let's talk about the program that you have called Advanced Tweena. What is, what oh, can yes. people expect in that? aka the beast we call it the beast okay. the beast it has become its nickname because it's it's kind of huge in that this is really the walking talking version of my book and a lot more okay. than that so this really has everything of my work up to date. I realized I seem to do something big once every 10 years. So I wrote the first book, which was back in, in the late nineties. Yes, that's it. Nine, I think it came out in 99. Then I wrote the next one in 2010. And so then, you know, 10 years later, now we have the advanced tween our course for acupuncturists. So it's like a development really of the work. And here it is now with all of what I've been working on together with the, the simple structures that people always need, the techniques they now, rather than reading it in a book, which is, you know, it's pretty dry reading how you do Gunfa rolling technique <laughs> in words in a book. And I've described yeah. that so many times. Now you can see me, we can put it in context, all the area routines or the foundation routines are, there on film and this is something that students have been saying oh Sarah you know can we film this when you do it or when are you going to film the routines so now they're all filmed and more and I mean we really went to town with with some of the routines like the upper limb for example rather than just giving the one version of the upper limb foundation routine as it appears in the book I gave them here's a way of doing it on the chair when someone's on the chair here's the way of doing it prone here's a way of doing it on the, you know in all these different positions so that there was a flexibility so we did that with several of the foundation routines 
and it's quite a job but there it is it's done now yeah and we, we looked at all sorts of things how to then integrate this is a big thing a big um question that comes up from all the practitioners how can i integrate tweener into my acupuncture practice how can i do it so we went to town on really helping people with that look here's some ideas look you can be creative and again instilling that confidence that they need to really start to integrate what they've learned skill wise with what they already know with the knowledge that they've got in their heads of chinese medicine points meridians and all of that and start to work more creatively we looked a lot at the yin work and then we sort of put it together into some different categories which we knew would be very important for practitioners so we highlighted menstrual fertility we highlighted digestion we highlighted musculoskeletal and how to work with sinews and i think that to give people examples right look here's some key areas and then we went into very chronic depleted scenario like for example someone with me or fibromyalgia or perhaps somebody who is in treatment for cancer or is post cancer post chronic disease and in recovery um, and even those who are at the end of life so this very beautiful yin work is integrated into that as well and that's difficult to do in a book and it was much easier to have this for people to learn it from the from the video much much better wow it sounds amazing and from what i've seen of it i know it is it's beautifully filmed and you put your acting training to such great use on these on all of your courses the videos are great and just your personality really comes through and your confidence and your ability to teach is is amazing and and on that note you've been such a gift to pacific rim college whether you're teaching in-person workshops or or teaching for pacific rim college online it's been so wonderful having you on our team over the last several years you you mentioned some of the things that have you excited about maybe creating some more curriculum. Is there anything else right now that you're working on or that has you, has you excited? Well, I think the three areas are going to be, so the Qigong self-massage and integrating some sound, that's going to be one almost written, because I was half thinking if we were able to have come over this spring, I thought, well, I wonder if we'll get a chance to film something. So I, I kind of got somewhere with that one already in terms of writing a structure or some ideas for a structure. And Gillian will help me with this as well, I know. So I thought, right, let's get that done. And I'd like to bring that into some common elements. So I'd, I'd like to focus that more for anybody anyone to take they don't have to be a practitioner of Chinese medicine in order to use it I think that's really one I'd like to get down soon maybe maybe even in this maybe even this autumn we could find a way of getting that filmed and then with Gillian directing and 
um, editing and doing the rest of the process your end we can we can do it between us now I know how to do the other bit as long as there's a good videographer on board I think Gillian and, and the team will be able to handle the rest pretty well so that then the children's course both for parents that's the one I'm really keen on and one for practitioners so there's kind of two yeah. we decide how we do that um, and I'd like to do a bit more as well for again anybody who would like to tune in more to this idea of working a little bit with internal qigong the voice meditation the placement of intention breath and talking people through things in real time. So perhaps having a series of short meditations that we can provide for people, that feels quite key to me. And that's definitely been prompted by my uh, patients who have been asking, well, can you record that? Because it's easier for me to have your voice talking me through it in real time. So I think that's quite key. I, I, I'd like to do that, definitely. That sounds great. So many exciting things coming along and to add to your already great course load at Pacific Rim College dot online. So all those courses, I'll, ha I'll have them in the show notes for people to, to link to. Thank you, Todd. Where can people, other than that resource, where can people find more about you and your work? So I have a website called sparktheshen.com and people can contact me they can have a look at the website and anything that's new that's coming on all the, the online courses are on there and the links to, to to prco are on there as well and if we do any work on sometimes i'll put up um a blog or something like that everything like that should be on there and will be on there and they can email me people can always email me i'll find my email on there they can email me on sarah at spot the shen dot com and yeah i'm very happy to answer people's questions i've had a lot of very interesting feedback and stuff coming through just of late from i had some really wonderful emails from a couple of people in the states actually i've had some fantastic stuff from the canadian students and practitioner world and also in the uk and europe but now I've noticed that I've been getting quite a, a number from the state as well, who are very captured by the work. I think it's because the timing's right. People, both practitioners and receivers, are ready to move in a slightly different, this, this way of integrating between the equality of the two coming together in the space, the practitioner, the healer, the two healers, I think we'll call them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just playing slightly different roles. Yeah. Right. I think it, the timing is right and it's going to be quite an exciting time going, going forward now for anybody to start to, to work with this. That's why I'm quite keen to work with the, anyone who's interested rather than just with the student or practitioner population, which I love, but I think it's time to turn some more attention to everyone else, the those who would receive the parents of the children 
and to each one of us as human beings so that we can learn to, oh, I can do such a lot myself. And for someone who wants a little bit of assistance, you have your complimentary health center, Blackheath. Uh, do you want to talk a moment about that before we sign off? Well, interestingly enough, I'm actually going to be doing a big move soon from London to West Cornwall, so to the Wild West, as we call it. <laughs> so in fact, the Atlantic, I could, I could wave across to you there. I think the nearest place is Nova Scotia. Yeah, that's right <laughs> next door, Sarah. <laughs> It's probably closer to you than it is to us. It's a bit far for me to swim, but yeah. <laughs> so I will be on the other other side of of the Atlantic, and yep. the new intention is to create a space of sanctuary and healing, intensive healing, and a place for teaching, and also a place where I can do the filming, because if I can't get to your beautiful space there, <laughs> then I have to create one here that will yeah. do very well. And then we can film the courses. I can have students come for live work. I can have people come for sanctuary and intensive healing week so that this work of inspiring and enabling healing in people can be more of an intense dosage so i'm actually going to be moving from my london practice wow. to cornwall and will be selling my business so i'm going through a really? big life shift yeah a big wow. change change of location and yeah a business that i've had for 20 years it's 20 years now blackheath complimentary health center so i'm having my everything crossed that there's somebody who will want to buy the whole business as an ongoing concern of some kind because it is a wonderful thing and a wonderful thing for that community and um yes everything's crossed that that's the way this is moving forwards oh that's so exciting for you <laughs> yeah time to be in the wild west and you know yeah. your environment there is so beautiful and you can grow all the wonderful plants and herbs and have those beautiful dogs <laughs> and, <Yep>. <laughs> and so this place is more in a line with that it's okay. much more Gaia around and I'm in great need now of a lot more earth energy around me I think I might say that this is a nice way of saying it London may be complete for me mm. <laughs> <laughs> London is no longer calling <laughs> that's right the wild west is calling yeah. <laughs> me to nourish yeah get my nourishment and also you know people need that and the city people are really in need of that connection to the big skies and the ocean and the granite which we have here and everything mm -hmm. that that this area can provide so that's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting couple of years i think Todd. yeah well i look forward to hearing how everything unfolds and hopefully coming to visit someday Absolutely. You'd love it here, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Sarah, for taking the time to join me today for this and for all that you've done for the community at Pacific Rim College. It's, you're, again, you're such a gift for us. And I can't thank you enough for all that you well, do. I want to say exactly the same thing to you, Todd. Thank you, because it was through that 
email a few years ago that we just happened almost to meet by happy chance by serendipity hmm. when you yeah, do you fancy coming to do a workshop here and i went yeah <laughs> oh did i reach out to you no i re- i reached out to you i just oh you reached out to me okay college and i said oh hello <laughs> in your neck of the woods would you like me to come and teach a workshop and you said yes <laughs> okay I would actually, and that's how all of this began and that it's the wonderful organic nature of the relationship that i've formed with you with jillian with the college and now with the online version of the college it's just given me such a level of inspiration as well todd and positivity and creativity so thank you for all the opportunities that you've given to me oh you're very welcome it's been a great relationship and i look forward to seeing how it grows as as we continue down this path together me too me too and i sincerely hope that we'll be able to get over there physically i know yes it'd be great to have you back (laughs) (laughs) i haven't had chance to to speak to rory to set anything up yet i'm I'm sure he doesn't know what the situation is right now but none of us do then we will right that sounds great love to have you back oh yeah it'd be wonderful Thank you so much. A pleasure. Yeah. Take care, Sarah, and and we'll connect again soon. Absolutely. And give my love to everybody there that that I know. Okay. Thank you. I will do. Thank you, Todd. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with a talented healer and teacher, Sarah Pritchard. If you want to learn directly from Sarah, check out her courses and programs at PacificRimCollege.online. Use the promo code PODCASTCHIGONGFREE to watch her Qigong 5-Element Protection Exercise, valid until August 31st, 2020. Also visit her personal site at SparkTheShen.com to learn more about her work. For other online studies, most of Pacific Rim College's campus-based programs have online study options for the fall 2020 semester, including our Holistic Nutrition Certificate, which for the first time ever is entirely online and taught virtually live by our incredible faculty members. Begin your career in holistic medicine from anywhere in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, press upon some of the finer points of life.